Welcome to the Dr. Dad's Podcast, where a naturopath and chiropractor come together each week to share lifestyle medicine, health advice, and inspiring interviews with some of the top experts in health and wellness, bringing you the latest in nutrition, exercise, ancient healing, toxins and detox, your microbiome, mindset, hormones, brain, and much more. Stay tuned. We're going to teach you how to experience growth daily. What's up, everybody? We're back with another episode of the Dr. Dad's Podcast. I'm here with my brother, uh, Dr. David Wardy. How are you? I'm good, brother. How are you, man? Good. Good. Another uh, another day in paradise, I must say. I mean, every day that we get a chance to connect with each other, but also with the guests, we're always learning something new. There's always something, you know, some sort of biohack or mindset trick or, or lifestyle or, you know, supplementation or whatever. And we get to apply that into our lives and it's, and it's always a, a constant upgrade. So it's that growth, brother, that growth that we all want in our lives, right? Yeah, that's what we say, experience growth daily, right? Absolutely. And so we're going to experience some more growth. We're going to have a return guest, which doesn't happen too often, but uh, when there's a message that's loud enough and important enough, we want to make sure this message gets out to, to millions, just like the name of his book. And this is Mark Tim. Mark Tim, thank you so much for coming back again. Man, I you had me at another day in paradise. I, I want to know what that day feels like when you're a. I'm I'm a dad of six kids, and so uh, those days come, but they're far and few between. But when they do, boy, we want to embrace them. So thank you guys for having me back, um, and and really to talk about the book. The book has just been uh, so awesome. The whole journey's been awesome, and I'm I'm willing to peel back the curtain and just uh, go on this journey with you guys. Yeah, I appreciate that. And, you know, I, I got to say, I mean, I just came back from my 11th anniversary with my wife and I. We got a chance to have some time away, our, our only time away truly um, since the pandemic, you know, uh, started. Uh, so I, I got to say, I'm also riding a bit of a high of, of getting that connection with my my amazing woman. So um, that's probably why where the paradise is a little extra sweet right now. <laughs> so so your book, we, we, you, I mean, you just released the book, has mentored to Millions. Tell us what makes, I mean, and you wrote, you co-authored the book with Kevin Harrington, who's, who's one of the, you know, the top dogs, uh, the Shark Tank. Uh, if you haven't seen the show, uh, you've probably been living under a rock, um, but it's an amazing collaboration that you guys have put together. So tell us a little bit about the book and, and about what this meant for you. And, you know, you hit some number one bestseller list just right off the bat. So let's, let's get into all that too. Yeah, so the book was a journey, and I want to be really raw and real on this time with you, and I want to be transparent and say that we turned the manuscript in of this book before COVID, before quarantine, and so we knew that the world needed a message of mentorship, that, that we were not put on this earth to be alone. Like, you were not put on this earth to walk alone. You were put there with your wife of 11 years and, and now kids and now your, your brother here, you know, in life that you're doing this podcast with. Like, we're supposed to be together. And yet we felt, we felt pretty alone during this whole time and, and at times in, in COVID and quarantine. And so the message of mentorship is loud and clear for people. And he, here's why, okay? Well, here's what we found out. Now that we launched the book and it's like we've sold – we're probably up around 15, 20,000 copies of this book. So we hit, we hit number one on every single category on Amazon. Uh, we were number one in entrepreneurship. At the same time, we hit number one in parenting. So for 10 days, this book right here, Mentor to Millions, was the number one entrepreneurial book and the number one parenting book. And, and I think that's what we're most proud of is, is that it wasn't just a how to 
grow your business. It was how to grow what really matters, how to grow your most valuable business, which is the one at home, not the one you're going to every day. So Mentor to Millions was about impact. It was about community. It was about not walking this earth alone because the whole book is a journey of an entrepreneur, me, going through life with mentors. And, you know, my first mentor was Zig Ziglar. Like his son, Tom Ziglar, wrote the foreword to this book. So my mentor was also Kevin Harrington's mentor. That's how we met. I didn't know Kevin. Kevin didn't know me, but we knew our mentor, Zig Ziglar, and we knew his children. And his children decided we needed to know each other. So you talk about a, an example of mentorship. The book itself would never have been ha would never have actually been written if it wasn't for Kevin and I having the same mutual mentor when we were young. So it's been an amazing journey. We're impacting so many people. We we not only hit number one in Wall Street or, or in uh, Amazon, but we were the number two best selling book on Wall Street Journal's bestseller list. The only book that beat us was a book by this guy you probably never heard of him named Dan Rather. I mean, you know, who's heard of Dan Rather? I mean, no idea. come on, you know? So, and the, the number three book was Mariah Carey. I mean, I heard she can sing a tune, but you know, hey. So, you know, so the bottom line is, is that we were there with some really amazing company. We were, we were a bestseller on USA Today. So, I mean, we're proud of those rankings, but we're more proud of the fact that people are resonating with this message of mentorship and saying, I need mentors, because here's the, here's the biggest thing that you guys need to know. There are more people walking around on this earth without mentors than there are with mentors. And Dr. Dads, that's got to change. Like, that's got to change, and it's got to change right now. Yeah, buddy. Now, I'm thinking that uh, you have this wonderful way from our previous conversation when we did your, your first podcast where we talked about winning at home. Uh, how you merge these two, almost how we see separate, right? We see our, our professional life separate from our home life. And I love the way you've kind of brought those in. And it's so funny, man, because we're, you know, as parents, we're mentors to our kids. But in our professional life, I mean, we're always passing the, this torch along to everybody, right? And it's always got to pass. But I like how you brought these two together, man. And we really want to start with... Uh, how this mentorship, like we talked last time with Zig Ziglar, kind of pushed you into seeing how, how it doesn't have to be separate and how both of these worlds are really one and the same and how we can approach them that way. Yeah, so like you have to know, I'm, I went to the extreme, and I know we talked about this before, but for those of you that didn't hear that first episode, I actually, I legally incorporated my family. Like my family is an LLC. Now I had to do that because I was so focused on winning at work that I was losing at home. And, and by the way, I don't think I'm alone. Like I, I bet there's other people. I bet there's people listening right now that are winning at work, but losing at home. And I was the poster child for that. And so, and, and the only reason that I, that I even would agree to come on a podcast like this with two guys that call themselves Dr. Dads is because I got it wrong longer than I got it right. Like I got it wrong for over a decade. And so I know what it feels like to get it wrong. And I've only gotten it right for about seven years. But here's the catch. I got it right just in time. Like 
the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is today. And so I started planting a tree. The book starts out the day I got it right. So the, this book, spoiler alert, if you go out to wherever books are sold and get Mentor to Millions, you will open the book and read about the day I got it right. And once I figured it out, and once I got it right, and once my family became the most valuable business in the world, once my family started getting my first and my best instead of my last and my least, my whole world changed. Their whole world changed. I mean, I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm sitting outside right now uh, having this, this conversation with you guys. And I watched my oldest son drive up the driveway while we're, we're on this conversation. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm so thankful I got it right because now I get to be his mentor for the rest of my life. Like he has chosen me to lead him into adulthood. And so, you know, so when you get it right and you feel what it's like to get it right, you don't ever want to go back to that other way. And it means you've got to give your family your first and your best. What if, okay, I'm going to throw something out here to you guys. What if everything you've done, Every bit of education you have, and by the way, you guys got a lot of education. What if all of it was practice? What if everything you've done in your work life was practice so that you could get it perfect at home? That's the flip on its head. That's the 180 shift that just rocks people's world. What if everything we're doing outside of our home is just practice? It's just so we can perfect it and crush it at home instead of getting crushed at home. And that's what I figured out, guys. I figured out how to crush it at home instead of getting crushed. And then I never wanted to go back to that world that I was in. And the coolest part is, okay, the coolest part is that my kids are forever changed because of that decision. My marriage is forever changed because of that decision. My personal life is forever changed. But the key to know is, is that I was the only person that changed that day. Me, what was between my ears. So if you're listening and you're saying, I want to be somebody different. I want to do something different. I want to impact something in a different way. It starts with you, man. It starts with you. You change what's between your ears and the ripple effect will start to happen. I still live in the same home. I still drive the same car I did on that driveway moment. I still got the same kids. All that changed was me, but because I changed, everything else changed. How many, how many people do you, that you've worked with or talked to or mentor, you know, how many people said, oh, no, I'm, I'm already, I already got that sorted out? Like, does, it, do you, does, everyone, does anyone sort of fight you on that, uh, that dialogue at all? Because I imagine some people are so immersed Zero. in their work world. Yeah, okay. Yeah. No, and, nobody, no, nobody fights it. Nobody says, you know what? I'd rather lose at home and win at work <laughs> any day. Like, like, I like, I like walking home and feeling like a loser. And then going to work and feeling like a winner. Like that's, that is definitely the choice that, I, that I've made. Nobody does. And here's the catch. Everybody knows they were put on this earth to win at home. They just, you just justify in your mind, I'm a provider. I've got to provide for my family. I've got to make a living for my family so that they can do the things they need to do. It's so easy to justify. But mm -hmm. no, man. Nobody I've ever met has said, yeah, I love losing at home. Like I, I just, 
man, when I have a great day at work and I go home and feel like I've, you know, can't make the first decision with confidence and clarity, man, I, that feels good. Like that doesn't feel good at all. Like we, we know we were put on this earth to be the husbands, the fathers, the mothers, the wives, and, and we want to be them. It's just easy. The world says it's okay not to be them because we have to work or we have to provide or they, you, you're so many reasons or, or watch TV. Okay. Listen, guys, there's no place on earth that dads are more made out to be buffoons than on television, on network television. I mean, That's true they're the there. punching bag. They're the, they're the idiots of, of the show. I mean, there's very few shows where a dad is, is the leader, is the stand-up example for the family. They're the, they're the, the kicking post. I mean, you know, that's, that's the way network TV, it's funny, you know, to, to do that. But, but in life, it's not funny. I mean, it's not funny. You know, we, we need to step up and stand up and, and lead, you know, and, and, and I'm talking to moms and dads, by the way. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to be one or the other, but we were put on this earth to lead our families, not to be led, you know. And by the way, if you're not leading your family, somebody else is. Somebody else is. It may be social media. It may be television. But if you're not leading your family, I guarantee you something or someone is leading your family. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's perfect. I love that answer. So tell me, why do you think that people don't know to search out mentorship? Or why is there this such, such a huge gap between those that, that have and, and those that do not have a mentor? Yeah, so I think everybody knows that they should have a mentor. I think everybody knows they, they need some help. It's just, it's, it comes down to courage and vulnerability. You know, it's a people, people are too shy. Okay. Get this. All right. I've done 250 of these interviews, 250. So not, not, a, not just a couple and five times over the course of the last few months, the person I was talking to asked me to stay after the call. And after we were off air and there was no recording of the interview, they said, hey, um, I really resonated with what you had to say and I really need a mentor in my life. Would you be a mentor? And every time I'm like, oh my gosh, why didn't you say that on air? Like, why is the recording stopped? Why are we off air right now? Because do you know that the thousands if not hundreds of thousands of people listening to this are thinking the same thing as you they they're like i need a mentor but i i'm too afraid to ask somebody i i'm not going to ask somebody because all five of them didn't ask me on air because the people listening saw them as a mentor and they didn't want to be vulnerable they didn't want to put themselves out there and maybe i would say no you know and so that would be embarrassing and so you know so they held it till after the air after we were not recording and i'm just like you so robbed your community of the biggest moment because they needed to see you be vulnerable and see you be courageous and say, I'm ready for a mentor. I'm ready for a, for a coach, for a teacher. I resonate with what you have to say. Would you help me? Would you be a mentor in my life? Would you pour into me? And that's what they needed to hear because that's what people are missing, the courage and the vulnerability to raise their hand and say, I'm ready to learn. I'm coachable. I need people to help me and teach me because I have something to offer the world, but I need some help to get it to the world. 
That is the difference between people who have mentors and people who don't have mentors. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. I mean, tapping into courage and vulnerability is significant. I mean, I'm thinking of you when you pulled up to your, your house that day and the kind of courage that, and, and vulnerability, I mean, you spoke to it right there, uh, that you had to feel in order to, you know, have this amazing victory at work and then you show up in the driveway and go like, shit, I, I, there's, there's not this resonance with, with the home life. And, you know, you went through your own journey of that as well. And I think that, uh, well, and I'm, let me just, let me just be super vulnerable as a dad. Okay. So we're just going to pretend it's just us three, you know, hanging out here and I'm just going to peel the onion back and say, here's how it went down. My family first thought I was nuts. Like they were like, oh my gosh, dad's lost it. You know, there's no way this is a fad who, you know, he, he's going to forget this, you know, whatever. So I had to sit down with my family and I had to say, I'm sorry. Like I had to own my stuff. I had to be super vulnerable. And, and, and I got to tell you as a guy, that moment where I'm sitting in front of my kids and my wife saying, I have not been the father that I was put on this earth to be. I have not been the father that you needed me to be. That was the weakest I have ever felt as a man. Like I felt so naked, so vulnerable, so weak. And I'd always tried to be strong. Like they got to see their dad strong and, you know, and nothing can hurt him and all of this stuff. And I got to tell you now, if you asked my, my now young adult children, that they would point back to that very day and say, they've never seen me stronger in their entire life than mm -hmm. that day when I owned my stuff. So when I say vulnerability, I'm here to tell you, it takes far more strength and courage to be vulnerable than it does to fake it. So if you're listening out there and you had stinking thinking like me, like I got to be strong and, and, and I got to be this, this, you know, rock for my family. Sometimes you got to be weak and you got to be vulnerable and you got to own your mistakes and own your stuff. And it wasn't till then, it wasn't the driveway moment. The driveway moment was my moment. That's when I decided it wasn't until I got in front of my family and owned my stuff that they decided to go on this journey with me. Beautiful. Go ahead, David. That's such powerful imagery, Mark, because, I mean, how many kids can say that they've seen their parents in those states? You know, um, you know I'm just thinking of, you know, real quick last night, not to take us off subject, but, you know, we were trying to get through to our little six-year-old yesterday, and Clarissa says, you know, I haven't let him see like that emotional side of what that, how that makes me feel when he behaves that way. So she just kind of tuned into that and showed that vulnerability and she dug in and there were some tears. And, and the ones he picked up on that is like, I had a different kid, hmm. like no joke, but I feel like his parents, like we always have this armor on and we're always trying to like be the tough one. Right. We don't let our kids really see, uh, that side of us, that deep emotional side of us sometimes are really show that vulnerability in front of them so they can read that energy from us. Right. I mean, do you guys feel that a little bit as dads in your household? Totally. Totally. Yeah. And it was just amazing to watch that connection. And I, I just thought to myself like, man, maybe I just need to get on a deeper level. Like, like you're saying and show more of that vulnerability in front of my little boy. And if that's shedding a tear or whatever that may be, that connection, I, like you're saying, will be tenfold. Yeah, and, and here's what it looks like too, guys. It's uh, You give them permission 
Okay, by being vulnerable, they now have permission to be vulnerable to you. Like the coolest thing, okay, the thing, the holy grail that you guys are really searching for, I get to live out on a daily basis. And that is, I now have young adult children that will hold me accountable. But guess what? They allow me to hold them accountable because we've given each other permission to say, we want to be the best versions of ourselves. I want to be the best version of the dad I was put on this earth to be. So I gave them permission to hold me accountable to be that person, to be that dad, to be that husband. But it goes both ways. When I gave them permission to hold me accountable, guess who also got permission? I got permission to hold them accountable to be the best son or daughter or student or colleague or in, in the case of my older children, coworkers, boyfriends, girlfriends. I now have permission to hold them accountable, but only because I gave them permission to hold me accountable. That's the way it works, guys. And if you don't ever figure that out, you miss the coolest thing of all of being a parent. And that's being able to be a mentor to your young adult children. Because guess what? You screw this up, they'll choose someone else. They will choose someone to show them how to be a young adult or a coworker or a student. It just won't be you. And I think we all want it to be us. So take the time when they're six or 16 and make sure they know that you can be vulnerable and that you're willing to be held accountable and that you want to continue to learn and that you want to be the best version of yourself and it will be a two-way street. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I can't help but feel, you know, after we had our first conversation that that we made um, more of a conscious effort to in- incorporate the family meetings and it's, and it's been great. I can't say that we've been doing them as consistently as we'd like, but it, it happens probably about at least once every two weeks. It's never, more, it's never further than that. And it's a beautiful process to watch. My, our, we have a six-year-old and a, a nine-year-old just take ownership over their feelings. And, and, you know, sometimes as a parent, you want them to have this big exploratory, you know, investigative process that they're under. But again, they're six and they're nine. Um, but they're, they're, they're given the floor and their space to, to communicate where, where they see dad not showing up, where they see mom not showing up where, I mean, the big thing that we've gotten out of our oldest boy right now is like, you're cutting me off dad. And, and it's, yeah, yeah. And so when he says that, I, I really like, I go, yeah, because I often, my default is to come in with an agenda. I, 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 I want things to be happening a certain way. And when that conversation comes up, I realize that I haven't given him space to properly speak. And so these, these meetings are definitely, and I'd like you to dive into the meetings a little bit more, but the meetings are a great space because no one's in that triggered place. We're just all open, having the conversations, and then we can bring up these things and go, okay, well, let's, let's dive into that a little bit more. So I was hoping you'd, you'd dive into the meetings and, and let's, let's talk about yeah, that. Yeah, I, I totally will. So, so number one, if you're having a family meeting once every two weeks, you're having one more family meeting than most families have ever. Right. And so, you know, most families have like this passing in the hallway. What are you doing tomorrow? Well, what are you doing tomorrow? Well, who needs to be picked up and who needs to go here? That's their definition of a meeting. A family meeting is a meeting that actually happens with your family on purpose, like actually scheduled. Like you say, we're having a family meeting Sunday nights at seven o'clock 
And by the way, I'm going to really challenge you to make your family meeting consistent. You can find a time that your family can be consistent around a family meeting. Until we made it a consistent time on a consistent day, we could never get into a flow of our family meeting. So your challenge is to find that slot. For our family, it was Sunday nights. Like Sunday nights, everybody kind of came together, mom, dad, kids. It was like everybody had to get ready for the week ahead. And so we were rarely out late on Sunday nights. So it was like Sunday night was our slot to say, we can slot this in and with a good degree of certainty on a regular basis, we could come together. But what happens at the family meeting is exactly what you're talking about with your son. They get a voice, which they don't feel they have, and they get a vote. So it's a voice and a vote. A voice to be vulnerable, a voice to say what I have to share matters, a voice to say, you know, I have feelings and I have concerns. I want, I want the best family that we can be. A vote means that you actually put things out there to your family and you vote on them. Like your, your nine-year-old gets the same vote as you, man. So it's, it's not dad rules. It's like, it's like you've got to win a majority of your family over, and that means you've got to be the best version of yourself because they start to realize, wait a minute, my vote counts. Like it matters. Like what I think matters in this family. Well, then all of a sudden, if their vote matters, then their voice matters. And so, so that's what happened at our family meetings was like, it, it mattered. Now, now my wife and I, we took it to the next level and I don't think I shared this with you guys the last time we were together. So like we conducted all family business at that family meeting. Now we considered discipline family business. So if, if, if an infraction happened during the week, then we didn't deal with it at the time. discipline we're going to do this in front of the special session that was held during family meetings and it was only to deal with um it was only to deal with infractions that happened during the week so what happened is our kids started begging us to discipline them will you please ground me will you please punish me please don't hold this till Sunday night. And so what we found is the waiting, if it happened on a Tuesday, waiting five days to find out what the punishment was going to be was the punishment. Like it was, it was way more than the punishment. And then having to go in front of the family and explain what they did, explain why they did it and explain why they're not going to do it again like it was the best discipline we ever had in our whole time of parenting in two decades of parenting, you know, family court was by far and away the best because if your nine-year-old screws up, your six-year-old is sitting there listening, going, I don't want to go in front of family court. Like <laughs> I'm tapping out. Like I'm not doing that. You know, that's, I learned my lesson here, but so much discipline happens in the dark. Like it, it, your nine-year-old screws up and so you take him into the bedroom and you tell him how disappointed you are and you punish them. Well, the six-year-old has no clue what's going on, you know, so, or the six-year-old screws up and the nine-year-old doesn't know. That's how most discipline is done today. So we conducted all family business at family meetings, good stuff, 
wins, celebrations, uh, you know, uh, uh, whatever we were doing for that week, whatever we needed to do as a family, but also discipline. And so, but at that time, you know, the, the amount of discipline we had to do when we started doing it in family meetings dropped dramatically. Mm. And so family meetings can be more than just scheduling. It can be purpose. We, we did the disc personality profile. We did the five love languages. We did the strength finders assessment. Anything I learned to do in business, I started doing it at home. And that's the power of a family meeting. Why was your family created? We created a family logo in our family meetings. At one point, we hired a logo tournament, I think was the crowdsourcing company that uh, we paid $99, I think is what it was. And we had 185 submissions for our family logo, 185 from all over the world. And we did that during our family meetings. And our, our family was so proud of that logo and that mission statement. So make family meetings the hub, okay? Everything else is a spoke. But the hub of your wheel should be that committed, consistent, once-a-week time that you come together and you figure out why your family was created, why you were put on this earth, and what you can do together to be the best versions of yourself. That's amazing. That's, that's such a, I'm, I'm going to write those down. David, you, you jump in, buddy. No, I'm thinking, man, the accountability there. I mean, you think about a family, it's a community, right? And when you're all able to come together like this, like you're saying, whether it's every two weeks or once a month, the accountability goes through the roof, you know, especially if you have multiple kids. I only have one. You got, you have multiples, Nick has multiples. But that's huge. And then it's kind of like, like you're saying, it's awesome because it just takes care of it for yourself. Um, and this, this is so foreign, brother. I mean, how many families do it that way? And you start to think like, well, maybe it, it doesn't work out so well because of the way we're doing it. And we just need to kind of go back to this community, you know, base driven type of, I don't know, man. It's just, man, it's the way you structure it seems so simple, but you think of that dynamic and it's just endless of, of how it will just kind of feed back into the community at the, at the house. We, we started inviting guests to our family meeting, like uh, a, a mentor that I would have. If they were in town, they would come to our family meeting. Uh, the kids' grandparents would come and attend family meetings, you know, and they would share wisdom and learning. I mean, our family meetings were not just even our family. They were our extended family. They were sometimes friends. Like sometimes maybe our family was struggling with something and I would bring, you know, I, I brought our pastor into one of our family meetings. I brought a dear friend into one of our family meetings. I mean, it's just, it, listen, it's exactly what you would do in work. Like if, if you had somebody that could, could teach your work how to double in value or double in sales, you'd bring them in and, and you'd say, teach my team, teach my staff. Well, your dream team is your family, you know? So it doesn't even just have to be your, your nuclear family. It could be, you know, a grandparents or it could be a friend that, that comes in and pours life into your family. When your kids start seeing you do that, then they realize, wait a minute here, you know, like that's, you introduce them to the concept of mentorship because you bring your mentors into your family. And I, I loved doing that. My kids know my mentors. My kids have experienced my mentors and now my kids have mentors, you know, I mean, beyond me because they see the power of mentorship. Mentor to millions, that's about impact. It's not about money. Millions of people impacted. I believe my kids will impact millions of people in their lifetime and they will do it because they had mentors in their life 
And I, that was caught, not taught. They caught that lesson watching me, you know, be vulnerable and say, part of the reason your dad is successful is because of this guy, because this guy helps your dad succeed because this guy makes sure he doesn't screw up or when he does screw up, helps him learn what he's messed up. And so dad has invited this guy into your life to breathe some wisdom into you. And I'd like for you to spend, you know, 30 minutes and just listen to what he's got to say. And so, you know, and, and I did that on a regular basis and I, I set that emotion of how important it is to have other people in your life teaching you because look, we, we all need to have mentors and we need to be mentors. And then we need to teach our kids how to have mentors and how to be mentors. That's this exponential cycle that I'm going to pound as long as anyone will listen to me. That's how you impact the world. That's you don't do it alone. I want to I want to take that conversation of family and and for those that are entrepreneurs listening or business owners other doctors whoever it may be how can we take that dynamic and start to merge into the world of entrepreneurship so if you can kind of talk about bridging that gap of bringing that that family value the meeting centric the, the family centric version of uh, of this discussion into the world of business well, I mean, I actually, what I found is, is that I was good in business and I wasn't as good at home, but the better I got at making my family my most valuable business, the two became very synergistic. Like I, I interact with my, my, my business now as an extension of my family. Now, it's not that I have them sitting around the table during Thanksgiving. They're not sitting here tonight. As soon as I finish with you guys, I'm going to eat dinner with my family. Okay, that's, that's where I'm headed next. I know what's being served. My staff is not sitting at that table. But I had my own version of a family meeting today with my staff. And it was raw. It was real. I was vulnerable. And so the more vulnerable I became at home, the more vulnerable I became as a leader. And I got to tell you, my team responds more to my vulnerability and my genuineness than they do me being their CEO or their, you know, their boss. You know, they need to know that I'm not perfect. They need to know that I value them. And so I believe when the two worlds stop orbiting separate and start orbiting together, they get more valuable. I mean, they just, they feed off each other. My wife today got up super early and she was at my office because she was at a Bible study with all the other women that work, you know, in the office with me. They did a, they decided to do a women's Bible study and they invited my wife. She's not part of the business. She doesn't spend any aspect of her day with them, but they invited her because I, you know, I've been vulnerable with them and, and I've extended my family to my entrepreneurial family. And so, you know, so I think you can take, I think you could take what you've learned in business and apply it at home. And I think what you, what you've learned at home, you can apply it in business. And that's why I do not believe in work-life balance. I think work-life balance is a myth. I think it is a, it is a, uh, it's a, it's a journey that people go on and they never attain. And so, you know, they're like, I want to find work-life balance. Well, guess what? It's like trying to, you know, have you ever seen those where there's like a log on the water and you're like trying, I mean, you're always going to fall in the water. It's just never going to work out. But what you can achieve is work-life integration. The work, your work and your life can integrate and you can bring them together. That is attainable. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I did. 
What's that look like? It means that if my family is my most valuable business for a period of almost four years, I never went on a business trip without one of my kids ever, mm. ever. And so to the point that they counted on it, like, you know, what my, my freshman, freshman in high school, like if any, you, you were freshman at one time, you know how critical that year is. My middle daughter was a freshman in high school and she left high school for a year to travel with me. She traveled on over 30 business trips with me. Wow. That's work-life integration. That's not work-life balance. That's work-life integration. And now, because of that year, because of what we did that year and the relationship we built, I get to be her mentor for the rest of her life and the rest of my life. And so, you know, so that to me is the entrepreneurial world and the family world is find a way to integrate those two worlds because it can happen. It is possible and it's beautiful when you do that. But if you're looking for this balance of how many hours here, how many hours here, how much focus here, how much focus here, one of them is always going to win and you're going to end up falling flat on your keister when you're trying to balance on that log. You will fall and fall hard and fall often. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I can't help but think that everybody, when they just heard that work-life integration, I mean, that's, that's totally the message that the people need to hear. And, and on that note, I mean, we're, we're in the middle of a, you know, that we're, we're, we're maybe at the tail end. I don't know we're we're somewhere in the, we're somewhere in the process of this pandemic and, you know, there's people losing jobs. There's, you know, families crumbling, there's suicide rate, there's mental health issues that are coming uh, to the surface. There's a whole lot of stress going on for people. What's your what's your message to the world right now? Given the, the, the and I I got I have a very clear message. If your family doesn't know the stress you're under, if they don't know the challenges you're facing, today is the day to change that. The reason so many people are struggling is because they're faking it, hoping they can fake it till they make it. But what they really need to do is come home and say, "This is tough right now. This is the hardest thing I've gone through." through. There's no playbook. There's no rule book. There's no past, you know, that I can lean on here that I'm trying my hardest, but this is hard. Maybe you're working from home for the first time and you're trying to have a zoom call and your kids are screaming in the background and it's then, and tell it's hard. Like that's hard. And so, but so many families that I'm talking to, the ones that are thriving are the ones that are talking about it. The ones that are saying, this is not easy. Like, we got to do this together. If you'll be vulnerable today, you, you hear this podcast, if you'll go home and you'll sit down and say, this is tough, and this is why it's tough, and this is why I'm struggling, and this is where I need help, I promise you they will step up. They will step up and help because they don't want it to be tough on you. They want to help. But if you're hiding it, if you're pretending, if you're faking it, it's going to get worse. It's going to get a lot worse. Because this is, you can fake it for a while. This thing's been going on for a long time. Like this is real. This is set in. This is, this is not just a new normal. This is our normal. And so it's time to be vulnerable. It's time to be courageous. It's time to be honest with your wife or your husband and certainly honest with your kids. Maybe this is the first family meeting you've ever had and it's to sit down and say, this is one of the hardest things I've ever gone through. I don't know how I'm going to get through it, but I know it's possible with you and I need your help. I don't even know what all I need from you. I just need you to know how hard this is for me. And that will begin the process of your family coming together and doing this together 
because that's the way you're going to thrive in these crazy times is together. Certainly not doing it apart. That's brilliant. David, go ahead, buddy. I got another question for you, brother. So let's say our listeners are thinking, okay, I need more mentors in my life. What would you give them as, as advice of like where they need to start? Like how would they need to look at their life first and say, okay, where do I start? Like, where do I find, is it a, like a weakness thing? I mean, how do they assess something like that to start looking for the right people to bring into their lives? Well, I'm going to tell you right now, if you're listening here, that uh, you already know everybody you need to know to accomplish everything you've been put on this earth to accomplish. So that should take the pressure off. I'll say that again. You already know everybody you need to know to accomplish everything you've been put on this earth to accomplish. So what you really need to do is start being vulnerable to the people around you. Now, I'm going to include social media on that because somebody challenged me on this and said, I don't have the network that you do or the Dr. Dads do. So how could I find the right mentor? I said, well, do you have social media? And they're like, I got LinkedIn and Facebook. I said, so go home tonight and say, and this person had a, started a business and was trying to figure out how to grow the business. And I said, go on LinkedIn and Facebook and post this message. Say, I just started a business and I need help growing that business. Will you help me? Okay. And what happened next was a beautiful thing. This person went from saying no network, don't know where to go for help, to having a dozen people reach out and say either A, I will help you, or B, I can't help you, but I know who can and I'll make an introduction. Hmm. It literally was 10 words, guys, 10 words to a person that said, I've got no network. I've got nobody that can help you. But you've got social media and if you've got social media and you have a few people following you, then you've got a network. The question is, do you have the courage and the vulnerability to raise your hand and say, I'm ready for a mentor. I'm ready for someone to come in my life and help me grow my business because guess what? It's hard and it's not happening, so I need help. Courage, vulnerability, that's what you need. And now, what kind of mentor should you get? I'm here to tell you, you should get a mentor that has a mentor, somebody that's constantly growing. You should get a mentor that's got two two ears and one mouth and knows it, willing to listen. You should have a mentor that's failed. I mean, a mentor that hasn't failed is, is not going to be a good teacher. Okay. So you, there's things you can look for if you're interviewing or if you're thinking who should be a mentor, find somebody that's failed, find somebody that's a good listener, find someone that will hold you accountable and find someone that is growing and learning themselves. That's what you need in a mentor. Love that. Awesome. So there's a, I know you, you got a family meeting coming up soon. You got to get to dinner. Um, but I, I want yeah. <laughs> but I want I want to ask maybe one last question, and that is, like, where where does the mentor for millions go from here? So what's what's yeah. sort of the the next journey in in this process? You get right. a mentor. You start set up. So the meetings. I, yeah. I need I need your help. I need everybody's help that's listening because in order for mentor to millions to truly truly be the example that we want it to be. We need a million people to read this book. Okay. So at this very moment, I don't know if it'll be when this goes live, but I saw on Amazon, Amazon was offering our book buy two, get one free. So that means for the price of two books, you can get a third one for free. So here's what I need you to do. I need you to buy a book for your mentor 
buy a book for somebody you should be mentoring, and then you'll get the free one yourself. So then you get one for you. And, and that's really the cycle that we need. We need people to be mentors. We need people to have mentors. And then we need people to live out that mentorship in their life. And so that's kind of the trifecta, you know, is that you have the right mentor, you become the right mentor, you teach other people what you've learned. So where does Mentor to Millions go from here? We literally, we're not selling a course or a coaching or any kind of back end. This literally is about legacy. This is about us teaching people the one secret that people have that are truly successful, and that is they didn't do it alone. So right now, all right, I'll tell you something again. I mean, you got me at the end of the day, so I'm just laying it out here. So if you were to walk through my house, my house has over 40 turtles in it. Now, why would my house have 40 turtles in it? And it's because our family like heard this story one time about a turtle on a fence post. And there's only one thing you know about a turtle on a fence post. And it's this, you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that turtle did not get on that fence post by themselves. There's no turtle on this planet that can crawl up on top of a fence post. So you know that somebody had to put it on there. So the reason that our family has turtles all over our house is because we want it to be a constant reminder that anytime something good happens in your life, likely you're put on a fence post and you got there because other people helped you get there. Mentors helped you get there. And by the way, if you're a parent out there, it can go both ways. Every time our kids did something bad, we talked about being on a different kind of fence post. And it was the rarest of any occasion that our kids got on the bad fence post by themselves as well. There was usually somebody who gave them bad advice, who encouraged them to make a bad decision. And so that fence post analogy is so powerful. When you're on that fence post and you've done something good, remember who put you there and then help other people get there as well. And when you're on that fence post and you made a bad decision, remember who contributed and maybe not listen to them the next time. So I want everybody to read this book because I want it to be like that, that turtle on the fence post. I want you to know that we don't accomplish things without other people's help. Okay. And we need to help other people accomplish things as well. My mentor, Zig Ziglar, was famous for one quote, and that is, you can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. That's what this book is about. That's why Tom Ziglar wrote the foreword. That's why this book is actually dedicated to Zig Ziglar, because I want to live my life helping other people, and I want other people to help other people, and it will come back to them tenfold. That's beautiful, man. Courage and vulnerability all the way to legacy. I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the journey that we all need to go on. That's, that's an amazing, amazing message. Um, Mark, you, you've dropped so much amazing information today. Um, where else can people find you? I mean, we're going to put a link for your book uh, in the show notes, of course. Yeah, uh, I mean, the book, the book is bought everywhere books are bought. Uh, Amazon, you know, Walmart. I mean, anywhere books are bought, you can buy our book. If you want to do a deeper dive into this family message, you can go to MarkTim, T-I-M-M.com. You can meet my family there. You know, I, I occasionally write some blog posts about my family, and, and uh, I might even have one about that turtle uh, <laughs> analogy. But, uh, but anyway, MarkTim.com, or um, you can go to uh, KevinMentor.com. We're giving away some free mentorship for anyone who buys the book and then goes back to KevinMentor.com and shows us they bought the book. We'll give them... 30 days of mentorship from Kevin Harrington and myself as well, just as a gift for, for the listeners of, uh, of your podcast here. 
Oh, that's amazing. David, go ahead, buddy. Mark, I've learned so much, buddy. You just keep pouring it on, man. Thanks so much for joining us again today, man. Like you, you just elevated me once again and, and I'm ready to go, go and step into that greatness and show more of that vulnerability, man. Well, step in because the next time we talk, I'm going to be asking you when your family meeting is scheduled and how often it's happening because uh, you dudes should be crushing it and you are crushing it, I'm sure. But uh, that family meeting can make all the difference. If people are wondering what's the next step they can take to win at home, schedule your first family meeting and then make it consistent and make it and be committed to it. You won't regret it. I promise. That's amazing. Thanks again, everybody for tuning into the Dr. Dad's podcast. Another great episode with uh, Mark Tim. Make sure you get his book mentor to millions. Uh, one for yourself. Well, actually one for your mentor, one for you, and then one for a friend and you're spreading the love and, and let's get this, this uh, book and this message out to millions and, and help another get onto their fence post. So thanks again, Mark. Thanks, David. Uh, Thank lots you, of love to you both. Thanks guys. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to subscribe to the Dr. Dads and share with your family and friends. You can also follow and interact with Dr. Nick and Dr. David on Facebook and Instagram for a daily dose of inspiration and the latest in health and wellness. Be well.